Welcome to the last and final day of the Locked On Podcast Network NBA Mock Draft, where the big boy franchises come to play. The Lakers, the Sixers, the Celtics, the Warriors, the Nets, and the Hawks will wrap up our NBA Mock Draft. And remember, for all the latest news going on with the draft, go to LockedOnSports.com. All of our hosts are doing shows right now with Mock Drafts, the latest out of Phoenix and Sacramento, and what are the Kings going to do, and all the other coverage will continue. We expect here on Locked on NBA to have another big-time interview for you tomorrow, and then Jake Madison and John Corrales will carry you on Thursday. Jeremy Wu, back with us today, Sports Illustrated expert, will give us the player breakdowns, and we'll hear from Jake Madison and Josh Lloyd as well as they give their analysis of these final picks. So we head down the home stretch, and we put on the clock the Los Angeles Lakers, and obviously their clock is ticking toward July 1, but what will they do on draft day? In the meantime, make sure you've subscribed to your favorite NBA team's daily Locked On Podcast Network podcast and bookmark LockedOnSports.com where you can get all the latest from the Locked On Podcast Network and there's even a NBA draft page as well. Let's get it started. Pick number 25. The Los Angeles Lakers are on the clock. If you're just tuning in, Luka Doncic went number one. DeAndre Ayton went two, a surprise for us. And Doncic had another great day today uh, in Europe, making that pick by the Suns seem more reasonable. Jaron Jackson went three. Trey Young jumped to Memphis at four. Memphis is having all sorts of trouble getting workout guys in. Mo Bamba went five to Dallas. Wendell Carter went six to Orlando, and Marvin Bagley slid all the way to seven. Cleveland surprised with Mikel Bridges, leaving Michael Porter to nine to New York. Kevin Knox wrapped up the top ten, and our big slider started right around here. Lonnie Walker went 11 to Charlotte. Shea Gilgis-Alexander 12 to the Clippers. Miles Bridges to Dallas at 13. Zaire Smith 14th to Denver and Robert Williams went 15. Mean Colin Sexton had slid passes. And if you look at the way this draft's going to break down on Thursday, it's not the craziest scenario that a point guard could slide because Philadelphia, Charlotte, Clippers, Dallas, Clippers will probably take one. Dallas, Denver, Washington don't really need one. Phoenix then at 16 passed maybe surprisingly with Troy Brown, but in our series, they had taken Luca with number one, so they didn't really need one. Kevin Herter went 17 to Milwaukee, Colin Sexton slide, finally finished at 18 with San Antonio. DeAnthony Melton, 19 to Atlanta. Good gamble by the Hawks. Aaron Holiday, who has rocketed up the mock draft board, stayed there on ours, going 20 to Minnesota. Zana Musa, 21 to Utah. Chandler Hutchinson got his promise from Chicago at 22. Indiana took Keita Bates Diop, and Portland took Jacob Evans. So that leaves us with some big names on the board here. Grayson Allen. Kyrie Thomas, Dante Diascenzo, uh, Mitchell Robinson, L.A. Okubo, Mo Wagner, Melvin Frazier, Jerome Robinson, a high riser, hasn't been grabbed in our mock draft. So let's go to the Lakers' war room and see what Anthony Irwin and the crew are going to do. Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Irwin of Locked On Lakers. I, uh, I, I usually host this show two days a week also with Pete Zayas, and I used to host the show with Harrison Fagan, but I fired him. I couldn't do, deal with him anymore. But I am here to make the Lakers pick in this year's Locked On NBA mock draft, and with the number 25 pick, I am going to select Mitchell Robinson of nowhere <laughs> he didn't he didn't attend college last year he he was enrolled at western kentucky but then left uh, so as to focus on getting ready for the nba draft and that's really the only reason he might still be available though i i honestly have doubts he'll actually be available by the time the lakers pick at 25 uh, but the reason he might be is because he didn't attend college and there's really not much known about him he was one of the top recruits in the nation especially at his position at center he measures at seven feet tall 223 and has just about anything that you would want to see out of a a center prospect he can step out and shoot he's a great rim protector uh, he's he's crazy athletic and and mobile and so you know on paper he makes a lot of sense for a lot of teams but the issue is we just 
just don't really know much about him because of the situation uh, that he went through in college or, or the lack thereof. Uh, for the Lakers, though, I, I also think it's worth pointing out, and I tried to do this, really, that I think the Lakers are probably going to be looking to move their pick for a more cap flexibility. If they can attach it to Deng's deal with another first-rounder or with one of their prospects, whether it's Lonzo Ball or or Ingram or Kyle Kuzma uh, in a potential Kawhi Leonard deal or whatever it might look like or whatever those deals might look like. I think they wind up using their pick this year in that fashion and not to take a to take a player. And uh, and so, you know, if they do to make a selection, I think Mitchell Robinson makes a lot of sense for them because Yuvitsa Zubats was kind of, well, hugely disappointing last year. Uh, we don't really know much about Thomas Robinson, though he or Thomas Bryant. Sorry, uh, he he did play really well in the G League. And he has a lot of the things that, again, you're kind of looking for at that position in the modern NBA. Uh, but but if you can get somebody who was at one point as high a recruit and as talented as Mitchell Robinson is, then I think you kind of have to explore that and see what you can turn him into. Um, it's also worth mentioning here that the Lakers have largely surprised people with their selections in the late first round. Now, they've seemed to have worked out. Uh, Kyle Kuzma comes to mind and Josh Hart, who I believe was a late or a early second rounder. But but they they've seemed to mostly Larry Nance uh, Jr. a few years ago also comes to mind here. But they they kind of surprise people. Usually it's really hard to predict what the Lakers are going to do and they have success anyway. Uh, but when you see rumors about Mitchell Robinson being promised or, or other players being promised that they were going to, they might get selected by the Lakers if they're still available. It's hard to really believe those because the Lakers have mostly gone in directions that nobody really saw coming. So uh, I, I, you know, if for the sake of this exercise, I selected Robinson he would be a, a project, and if the Lakers do take him, I think it might kind of indicate uh, that they they have a little less confidence in their ability to sign LeBron or or whomever, uh, though they can't always turn around and trade Robinson or whoever they draft uh, if and when that time becomes necessary. But if they do select Robinson, that would be kind of a red flag or kind of a a – some kind of a, a an indicator of all right maybe maybe we aren't as confident as we once were and and <laughs> considering how confident they are right now i guess it would make sense that it they, it might decline at some point um i i do also want to mention in regards to robinson that any team that does take him is is doing so on a major gamble there's a the Lakers at one point there was a player by the name of uh, Robert Upshaw who was very 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 talented and had again all of the measurements that you would like to see from a center uh, but just there was there was some character issues I think he was suspended for portions of his of his time in college and eventually it came to you came to find out that he he didn't have the mentality to stick around in the NBA and and I believe now he's playing on some small European team that's I'm not saying that that might happen with Robinson or I'm not saying that I would bet on that happening Rob, with Robinson but you know when you have when you have this much unknown about a player that is as talented as he is I mean being enrolled at Western Kentucky in and of itself was kind of interesting given how highly recruited he was and then to not go there after the fact also really weird so you know it, it's a it's a it's a boon or bust pick and sometimes late in the lottery those gambles pay off uh other times <laughs> you get guys like Robert Upshaw who play overseas despite being as talented as he once was so uh that's my pick Make sure you guys tune in. There's a ton going on around the Lakers with all of the LeBron rumors and the Paul George rumors and now the Kawhi Leonard rumors. Uh, they seem to be tied or connected to everything big that might or might not happen this offseason. So every single day I'm here behind the mic uh, to to take you through the goings on with the Lakers. Uh, thank you to, for listening to this. Thank you, everybody who's participated in this mock draft. that's come together really well. Uh, we will talk to you again soon.
And by the way, despite the reports of Anthony firing Harrison, it's not true. We still love Harrison. He's moved on, but we love him. Uh, for those who are longtime Locked On Laker fans. All right, Robinson's a very, very interesting draft pick in this draft and probably a good one for the Lakers to take the flyer on. Let's see what Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated says about the pick at the 25th of Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson is another guy who uh, is a total wild card. You know, after having sat out at Western Kentucky, uh, you know, the talent is clearly there. I think if you talk to most people who have seen him up close, you know, they will tell you in terms of just physical ability, he's a first rounder. Uh, but there's concerns, obviously, with the background. You know, why did he sit out the year? You know, how mature is he? He's already 20 years old. Uh, so what is, you know, how much will his skill set develop? What type of skill, skill set does he have? Uh, you know, he's another guy who needs to be in the exact right role at center where he you know, isn't asked to do too much and can really just rebound and dunk and do those things, which is still a valuable player. Uh, but to take him, you have to feel comfortable sort of assuming that risk uh, that your pick may not pan out. And at 24, 25, that risk might just be all right. Now on the clock are the Philadelphia 76ers without Brian Colangelo as their GM. They've got the 10th pick. They already took Kevin Knox of Kentucky in our mock draft. They are now on the clock 26. Boston at 27. Golden State 28. Brooklyn 29. And Atlanta at 30 on the clock to wrap up our mock draft. Remember, episodes... One, two, three, and four are all still available for you. And a Reddit AMA at 2 o'clock Eastern today with the hosts that made the picks today. Let's head over to the Philadelphia War Room and Keith Pompey. Here we go again with the 76ers on the clock with the 26th pick. With the 10th pick, the Sixers picked up a wing, an athletic wing, and Kevin Knox, the second out of Kentucky. This guy is kind of going to be, kind of kind of sort of going to be like a project for them. Well, they need a guard. They need a guard badly. They need a guard who can play kind of like off the ball, on the ball a little bit. Now I know they have Markel Fox. Also know that they have Ben Simmons. Also have T.J. McConnell. But they need someone who can come in and also off the bench and create his own shot. Also someone who can do some of the ball handling duties and someone who can hit three-pointers. The reason being is because, you know, right now, let's face it, you know, they have to figure out what they're going to do with Markel Folks. They're going to figure out if they're going to keep him. They're going to figure out, you know, if his shot has gotten better. And, you know, if not, they just have to be safe. So a dream scenario for them would be to get someone right now who can play right away, someone they can depend on, but also someone that's not, who's going to be comfortable in their role as coming off the bench and also someone that they may send down to the D-League from time to time. So, with further ado, with the 26th pick, the 76ers select Dante DiVincenzo out of Villanova. He, this is a huge get for the Sixers. I mean, not only the guy is from the area, you know, he, uh, he, he grew up in, in Delaware. He, he played high school ball in, in Delaware, but he also, um, played co- collegiately at Villanova. And he played for Delaware counties, um, which is like one of the counties in, outside of Philadelphia. He played for, team final uh, AAU team. That, that's the same AAU team that produced Tyreek Evans, uh, Michael K. Gilchrist, Deion Waiters, and several other NBA players from the Philadelphia area. So he is a local guy. He's also a guy that's going to come in and do the things that the 76ers need in regards to being able to handle the ball, being able to uh, play off the ball, being able to create his own shot, 
being able to hit threes. He's 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 also a way more athletic than people give him credit for being, and um, I just think that he's a perfect fit for them. You know, right now he doesn't have to come in and be the man, but he can be a solid rotation guy, and I think he's a great pick for number twenty-seven. I actually think that the Sixers got a steal in this one. So DiVincenzo does not have to go very far. He'll stay in Philadelphia, and that puts the with the 26th pick of the mock draft, the Philadelphia 76ers. Pick up what's an elite-level athlete. Let's hear more about him from Jeremy Wu. Dante DiVincenzo was a, you know, obviously a breakout star in the NCAA tournament uh, for Villanova. Uh, if you watch them closely all season, you know that he's a very legitimate prospect. You know, regardless of whether or not he, you know, taken over the title game. Uh, you know, extremely athletic player, uh, sort of a ball hawk defensively. You know, likes to gamble for steals, covers a lot of ground, moves his feet, uh, and is willing to defend. Uh, and I think that that aspect of his game, coupled with you know, he'll hit an open three. He's a little bit of a streaky shooter, but he can do it. He can handle the ball a little bit. Uh, he's pretty well rounded overall, and I think that he has a lot of. You know, he checks a lot of boxes that make sense um, for a role player guard uh, who you can sort of play off the ball. I mean, even if you look at a Matthew Bellavadova, who's been a successful guy in Milwaukee for just being tough, you know, even Chenzo has that, but he's also an athlete. Uh, and so I think there's a lot of reason to think that he will be able to, you know, find success wherever he lands. Interesting note on DiVincenzo. When you look at the best shooters in this draft, you think of him as one of the guys – what he is is he's a pretty good catch-and-shoot guy if guarded, but when you look at his overall catch-and-shoot, he was 1.09 points per catch-and-shoot. He took 143, which is one of the most, but Kyrie Thomas is better. Shake Milton is better. Uh, Josh Koji is better. Jerome Robinson is better. Grayson Allen is better. All of the point guards except for Colin Sexton are better. Mikel Bridges is better. So he's maybe a little bit of an overblown shooter. And what's interesting also is both he and Grayson Allen have been afflicted by missing unguarded catch-and-shoots. On unguarded catch-and-shoots, DiVincenzo was only 15 of 46 last year for .98. Only Tony Brown, or Troy Brown of the combo guards and Grayson Allen were worse. Colin Sexton was worse of the point guards. And of the wings, there wasn't anyone worse. So of the primary guys we're talking about, his open catch and shoot game is actually one of the worst there is out there, though we think about him as a good shooter. Now his off-the-bounce game is actually very good. So I think he's a little bit of a different player statistically than a lot of people think. We still have four picks to go before the mock draft is done, and we now have on the clock, as we move forward, the Boston Celtics. Last thing the Celtics need is another young star. They have so many and they hardly have enough minutes, but let's find out what's going on in the Celtic War Room with Jay King and John Corrales. Welcome into the Locked On Celtics War Room. I am John Corrales along with my Locked On Celtics co-host Jay King. And Jay, the 27th pick. It's been a long time since the Celtics have had to pick this low in the draft. And I guess the biggest challenge here is finding a guy that can give you something that can turn into a serviceable player at some point in his career. Yeah, it's weird the Celtics don't have a lottery pick. I'm, I think the Celtics have had a lottery pick every year that I've covered them, so this is the first time that they haven't. It's kind of weird. It is weird. They, they have plenty of them next in the next draft. But here we are, here with the 27th pick in this draft, and there, a lot of names have been thrown around out there. I know you had mentioned in other podcasts that Mitchell Robinson was a guy – a, a significant project, but a, a big that has a lot of promise. And at this point in the draft, I guess you can go with uh, anybody, long-term, short-term. You, you guess you swing big, swing for the fences. Yeah, and I think the Celtics are in not necessarily a unique position, but probably a rare position in that they don't necessarily need roster depth. Like, they don't need someone in their rotation. They have a lot of returners. They have depth everywhere they're going to be a strong team they they i think they can afford to take a swing and that's why i said mitchell robinson i think he has as much upside 
among guys who could be available at that slot as anybody. Yeah, we'll see what happens in real life. That could be something that the Celtics do. Unfortunately, in our draft, he is now a Los Angeles Laker. Another guy that people have been talking about, Dante DiVincenzo, went right before our pick to Philadelphia. He's a guy that can certainly score the ball. So here we are at the 27th pick. I don't know if this guy's going to be available when the actual draft is held, but for us, we're going to go with Kyrie Thomas, the guard out of Creighton. And for me, I'm taking a guy that fits what I believe the Celtics want to do, which is defense first, a guy who can switch and play multiple positions. He is not as tall as some of the guys the Celtics have gone for, but his length, his reach makes up for it. And uh, I think the Celtics, and obviously, like you said, he's not a guy that's going to come in right away, but the way he plays defense, he's projected to be maybe the best defensive player in this draft. He's a guy that in case the Celtics have another year like they did this year with injuries, he can he can at least step in and help with that level of defense. And even if he doesn't, even, even if he goes to Maine and plays in the G League for a while, he's a guy that can hang his hat defensively, and he's a 40% shooter, so hopefully he can extend his range and become a 3 and D guy eventually for the Celtics. Yeah, the, the one thing that worries me about him is that he's only 6-3. And I think... When you're looking for three and D, you would rather have, you know, the six, five, six, six guys, but closer to the end of the first round. Sure. Kyrie Thomas, defender, uh, got some offensive upside. I like Kyrie Thomas. He, he was really good at Creighton. Yeah. And look, whenever you get an opportunity to corner the market on Kyrie's, you just got to pull the trigger. Yeah. It, the first Kyrie worked out well. Now you go Kyrie with different spelling. It, it, it can only be a good thing. So the Celtics are going to go with Kyrie Thomas. Hopefully he can contribute in the short term. And look, maybe he's a guy that eventually becomes a contributor to the next wave of Boston Celtics uh, as contenders, led by maybe Jalen Brown, led by Jason Tatum. And we'll see where he goes. But we're going to go with defense and hopefully a guy that can contribute in the short term and long term, Kyrie Thomas. So many Kyries. And Isaiah Thomas is a free agent, so you could have a Thomas, two Thomases, and two Kyries. I don't think they'll do that. Kyrie Thomas, exclusively a catch-and-shoot guy, and a good one at that, but a little bit of a hitch of that shot. You wonder whether it's going to take a hard time to get that off in the NBA. Not much of an off-the-bounce game at all for him, so he's pretty one-dimensional. Let's hear what else Jeremy Wu can tell us about the Creighton Blue Jay. Kyrie Thomas is sort of a typical 3 and D prospect. Uh, you know, he's really not a point guard. He's a two guard. He's going to have to play off the ball. You know, he's not much of an offensive creator, but he'll hit an open three. But obviously, he's a very good defender. You know, two-time Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, very long, I think a 6'10 span. Uh, so he'll be able to guard some bigger guards. He'll be able to bother people on the ball. Uh, I think that, you know, if you're taking him, you know, hopefully you're not going to rely on him to you know, carry a lot of offensive responsibility. I don't think he's going to become that. And I, I do worry that, you know, he's not a guy who, uh, has a lot of improvisational qualities to his game. Uh, but I think clearly he could be a useful role player in the right situation. Uh, and I think there are teams that, you know, will see his skill set and say, hey, you know, this is the type of player we need uh, sort of as a compliment. Thomas, another one of these six, three guys long. Donovan Mitchell has made that the in vogue thing. Let's check in over with our Locked On NBA host, Josh Lloyd, who hosts on Monday. He gives you the latest stories from the local expert on the biggest stories. And then every Wednesday, Jake Madison and the aforementioned John Corrales get together and host Locked On NBA for you. Right now, Jake Madison is with Josh as they analyze the first three picks of today's Locked On NBA mock draft. Thanks, David. Getting to the end of the first round uh, here in our Locked On NBA mock draft. At uh, at pick 25, the LA Lakers are uh, on the board or make their first noise in this draft. Mitchell Robinson, a guy who didn't play in college last season, but has uh, real, real upside. And I-, I love this pick from the Lakers. The Lakers are known to be enamored with Robinson. He is an athletic guy, a rim protector. Not sure about you know what happens with him offensively, but I, I really love taking the upside on-, on a guy like Robinson here. This is the zone where I'm taking these big men who could develop into something. We've seen big men like Rudy Gobert, Clint Capella go in this similar range and be able to be you know, obviously extraordinarily good NBA players. And 
not comparing Robinson there, but a rim-protecting big man who might only need you know, 18, play 25 minutes a game, whatever it is. I, I love the pick. Yeah, he's he's a pretty decent shooter too, and I'm kind of surprised he lasted this long. It's just a talented score. It's a value pick at 25, kind of fits what they want to do. And I think we're going to see over these next couple of picks, we kind of like most of these. Yeah, I think, and that sort of speaks to the, the quality of this draft in general. Um, and there's... A really blurring of the lines between the quality of different prospects here. So it's like, no, not like oh, this guy's much better than this guy. There's just so many that are grouped together that it, it's not, it's going to be hard to make, um, massive, massive blunders, but, uh, there's just a ton of talent. And speaking of guys that, that we do like, or I like anyway, this next pick from the Philadelphia 76ers at pick 26, Dante DiVincenzo. Super athletic guard. I, I love this pick. Another guy who can provide you know, some great value at this end of the draft. That's um, that's a really strong selection, I believe, for uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers. There, there's a couple picks where on my notes here, it just says this makes so much sense, and this is one of them. You know, I could have seen him maybe going at 20 to Minnesota as well. I think that would have made sense there too. But for Philly, he falls into a perfect spot where they're going to give him some time to grow. His NBA skills fit with, with what they need right away. He just goes into an overall good situation. And this one just makes, like I said, so much sense. Yeah, they've obviously got JJ Riddick in that shooter type role. But yeah, DiVincenzo, great athlete, strong shooter. It's really this one of the smartest picks that we've seen on the board. And then at pick 27, the Boston. Celtics, they went with Kyrie Thomas, uh, a guy that, um, you know, is, is he there to maybe fill into that Marcus Smart role or even the Terry Rozier role when uh, they decide that they need to move on from either of those guys? Yeah, that's that's how I read this one. You're just kind of drafting Marcus Smart's replacement here. This guy's got good wingspan, solid defensively. He shoots well enough, uh, shot very well in college. But this is one of those guys where do you look at the numbers from the combine or do you look at the eye test? His combine numbers were bad, but then you watch him play and he looks really good. So it just depends on what side you kind of fall on. And we know the Celtics really like, you know, productive college players like that. Yeah, and especially these guys who have defensive instincts and great length, which is exactly what Thomas uh, has. So that's a, it's a strong pick and it is really uh, following along the Danny Ainge mold. Very positive analysis from... Both Jake and Josh. The Golden State Warriors are on the clock now as we continue with our mock draft. And as you hear these guys talk about how much they like all of these picks, I think we go back to the conversation we had yesterday's version where at this point of the draft, really when we cross over probably about 17 in this draft, it just gets into a question of what you like. There seems to be about a top eight in the draft. And then there's from eight to maybe, and I don't know who the player is that I would put here, but 15 or 16, there seems to be another tier. And then from 17 to 40, maybe it just has to do with what you like. If you're walking into Baskin Robbins, you're walking into salt and straw, whatever ice cream shop you like, maybe it just, maybe it's, maybe it's the yard house and it's all the different beers. And it's just a question of which flavor you like the best One's not necessarily better than the others. It's which one matches your need right there. Well, we have, it seems as though the Golden State Warriors must be out with with Jordan Bell chasing down Hennessy in their front office or something right now because we've gotten word that they've selected Grayson Allen with the 28th pick of the draft, but they're, they're nowhere to be seen. Maybe they, they're still under tables from a long night in the parade just ongoing. But we don't have an explanation, and maybe they don't want to admit that they've taken the Duke tripper in Grayson Allen. But we do have Jeremy Wu giving you the analysis on why Grayson Allen, what Grayson Allen's looking at at the 28th pick from the Golden State Warriors. Grayson Allen, I think, will be a better pro than he was at Duke. Uh, I think he is a guy who has been probably undersold a little bit as a prospect. Uh, it tends to happen when you spend four years in, in college and you get picked apart. Um, but you know, bottom line, Allen is a very good athlete. Uh, he's a, can make very difficult shots. He's good at making those b- tough body control shots, which is a you know, rare skill uh, for a shooter. Uh, and I think he will compete potentially. Like you know that he has that competitive edge to his game. You know, I don't think he's going to go tripping any more people, right? I mean, so 
I think what he does well fits neatly into, you know, what teams are looking for in the, as a sort of a, a third guard where he can play on the ball a little bit, he can play off the ball a little bit. We'll pair with different people. We'll be able to space the floor. Um, you know, if he can become a good defender, I think it'll be, you know, the icing on top. Uh, but I think Mason has a lot of strengths that, you know, make a lot of sense for the NBA. And actually, Allen dropping to the Warriors, almost scary how well he could play in their system with his skill set. The interesting note on Allen, a very poor open three-point shooter last year. Just 10 of 66 on open threes. He hit 38 of 82 on contested catch-and-shoot shots, but open catch-and-shoot, he really struggled. The other one that's worth noting on him, he had 45% of his shots uh, were unguarded, which is a really high number. Uh, in fact, only Shea Gilgis-Alexander was higher, uh, well as well as Kevin Herter, of anyone around. So he got a ton of open looks because of Marvin Bagley, because of Wendell Carter. At the same time, that floor was very clogged, and he didn't get a lot of room to be able to drive. And I think that's the where his athleticism, an incredible athlete, will kick in. Uh, upcoming. Maybe the Warriors were under the table still drinking the Hennessy from the parade because they're so excited uh, about that pick, for all we know. All right. Hopefully nobody else drops out on us. We've got two picks to go, and we'll come back with those. Brooklyn and Atlanta will wrap it up for us on our Locked On NBA mock draft coming up. The Brooklyn Nets are on the clock as we get ready to take our final two picks. The 29th pick of the draft by the Brooklyn Nets. Let's go into the Nets headquarters. Thanks a lot, David. Once again, I am Gavin Shaw alongside my co-host Josh Bass. We are the hosts of Locked on Nets, and we are deciding what we are going to do with the 29th pick in the draft. All right, so first, Josh, we got to go over what the Nets' biggest need is. Uh, we can both say it on three. One, two, three. LeBron. Everything. All right, yeah, okay, Based good call. Good call. So, so talent basically, is what the Brooklyn Nets need. Uh, Theoretically, they have guys that are valuable at every position, but they don't have frontline talent at any position, depending on what your opinion is of D'Angelo Russell, and ours is generally slightly negative to lukewarm. And is a good way to sum it up. So basically, any shot the Nets could take on talent, any way uh, to do one of our favorite things and generate a little bit more variance, uh, I, I think that's what the Nets are aiming for coming into this draft. Yeah, we basically just need a time machine to redo the Billy King trade. Mm-hmm. Um, but since that's not possible as of now, you, people will let, let me know if that changes. Yeah. Uh, basically taking the biggest swing um, on the person that has the most upside in this draft. The Lakers did offer a time machine if we take on Luol Deng's contract, but we do have to keep it even if we change stuff in the past. So I, I ultimately declined that trade. But I, I, thought, I thought it was interesting. We'd also have to sign uh, LiAngelo Ball to a max deal in that scenario. So ah, not sure if it was about it offline. All right, okay, uh, speaking of signing LiAngelo Ball uh, to a max deal, our next question, is there a dream scenario for your team? Uh, I, I think we were both in agreement that it would be someone being willing to trade us a, either a late lottery or mid-teens pick. I think even in, in, in our wildest of dreams, there's not a scenario where the Nets can break into the top 10, even though that would uh, basically be the best thing possible for the franchise. And I think uh, you'd agree with me that the Nets would give up anyone other than Karis LeVert or Jared Allen to make that happen. Uh, I think more likely uh, maybe they target one of the two Clippers picks or uh, Washington drafting right after them. Yeah, we we were happy to move into kind of the mid-teens. If it's a player that's available that has really that home run potential, whether it be a Lonnie Walker out of Miami um, or even a Zaire Smith out of Texas Tech, if it's for someone like a Kevin Herter, even though I love the guy, went to my alma mater, uh, or Chandler Hutchinson, more someone who is a – a higher upside as a role player, I don't think it makes sense for the Nets to pull the trigger there. But definitely, if there's a player they like on the board that really has any chance at superstar potential, have to pull the trigger uh, regardless of you're giving up assets, whether it be a Spencer Dinwiddie or Damari Carroll or salary cap space, um, just have to make that move and go for the fences. Yeah, no, and it was the exact same logic that led them to uh, trade to D'Angelo Russell, exact same logic that led them to trade to Alan Crabb. You can question uh, why the Nets brass thought the ceilings of those two were high, uh, certainly more so for Crab than for Russell. But I, I think that logic still applies here. And I think you and I were in agreement. Uh, Zaire Smith is kind of the embodiment 
of a lot of those qualities. So he'd be someone that would be really interesting, especially if he falls um, into the mid-teens, which I, I think is I think is pretty plausible given how much talent there is at the top of the draft. We've just about covered uh, trade scenarios. The only note I'll mention on that is, is that theoretically the Nets' method of moving up would be attaching their first-round pick uh, with either Ronda Hollis Jefferson or Jeremy Lin and potentially taking some money back. All right, uh, the money question. Who are you taking and why? I'm going to butcher his name, so excuse me on that. But we are taking uh, Ellie Akobo out of France. And I, I'm really excited about the pick, Josh. Uh, I, the first time I heard of him was actually this past weekend on the Ringer NBA Draft Show uh, where Jonathan Jarks mentioned that a French scout told him that this is a real game of telephone, that Akobo was uh, the most polished prospect uh, or, or the best at his age to come out of France in the last 20 years. So that would include guys like Tony Parker, uh, Nicholas Batum, Roger Boubois, Michael Petrus, uh, legends, the all of them. So I, I thought I thought that was a really exciting quote. And, and Josh, I know talking to you, you compared his game to Patty Mills, which I know on paper doesn't sound that great, but I think he could maybe even have more upside, and that's why the Nets would take a swing on someone like him. Yeah, I'm comparing him to Patty Mills, a 6'3", Brandon Jennings. I mean, the guy shot 41% on threes in EuroLeague play this year. And obviously the line is a bit shorter, uh, but this guy's very explosive. He can get hot from three in a hurry. He had a 44-point game against Monaco, and I was pretty much sold on that because he can hit threes off the dribble, which is the most important quality uh, you need for a lead guard in, in this league. Um, he can also hit threes off the catch, has a reported plus-five wingspan. I'm not sure how uh, accurate those measurements are, but he's someone that is definitely an upside pick, really good scorer, decent court vision, um, has some tools as a defender, even though he's not the most athletic, but definitely I think he's a player that uh, Kenny Atkinson can really do a lot with in groom because he already has the baseline skill of being an excellent shooter. Yeah, and if you don't have that elite athletic ability, I think he has basically all the requisite uh, physical and skill capabilities to make up for that. Uh, just, just because of everything you mentioned, the fact that he's a good shooter, that he has really long arms, and, he, and he's already really compact and well-built uh, for age 20, and, and that's obviously, I mean, if you want to say it's a stereotype or not, a concern with Euro guys sometimes when they come over, and I don't think that's really applicable for Okobo, who uh, I statistically really impressed me. He averaged about 18 points, four rebounds, nearly seven assists a game uh, per 36 minutes. Uh, you mentioned it, the shooting marks, really, really exciting. He, he was just extremely efficient, 48% from the field. 40% from three, or nearly 40% from three-point range, 82% from the line. And the most common comparison I saw for him was, was Trey Young in, in not just his shooting ability, but he, his footwork in transition, a combination of Euro steps, jab steps, and, and just an overall intuitive ability to throw defenders off guard. That was all really exciting to me, and you combine that uh, in, in a frame that's a lot better than Trey Young. I, I think he might be severely underrated in this draft. And even though the Nets theoretically don't need another point guard, uh, as we said time and time again, it's all about getting the best player available. And I think at this point in the draft, it was certainly Okobo. Ellie, we're excited to have you. Welcome to Brooklyn. Uh, if you ever want to grab a, a bottle of French wine, I can, we can get some escargot. Gavin can come also. Um, we're excited to have you, buddy. Roast away, Jeremy Wu. Oh, a shout out to Jeremy Wu. Kobo's a nice player. Heavy left hand. Very heavy. Very, very heavy left hand. Let's go see what Jeremy Wu says about the Nets pick. Kobo is a guy who has helped himself uh, in the draft process, uh, sort of broken out over the course of the year in France. Uh, I think if you look at him and you see that he has the body, uh, you know, you see that he sort of fits the athletic criteria for an NBA point guard at 6'3". Uh, you know, uh, he can shoot it. He can get into the paint, play make a little bit. Uh, I don't know how much of a complete player he is right now I think he's more of sort of the outlines of someone who could be useful um, and I, I don't know if he is a surefire first round talent I think it's possible he goes that high uh, but it does seem like he wants to come over to the NBA next season uh, which sort of complicates things um, but there are teams who like him and you know, the talent level is there uh, to where you, you know you take him and you, maybe you see what you have uh, and see if you can sort of turn him into a uh, certain athletic uh, scoring guard he is probably more of a scoring guard than a pure point guard, as Jeremy says. Well, we have gotten here. The 30th pick of the NBA draft. The Atlanta Hawks are on the board. Where will they go? A lot of players left. Mo Wagner, Jeremy Robinson, Melvin Frazier, Brunson. A lot of good players left, or at least we think. Let's see what Atlanta does. 
This is Brad Rowland of the Locked On Hawks podcast, bringing up the rear here to end uh, the 2018 Locked On Podcast Network NBA mock draft at, at number 30 overall, the final pick of the first round. And because uh, this is only going to be a first round mock draft, uh, this is going to be it on the on this particular uh, segment. And it's one of those things where the Hawks uh, certainly were not uh, a typical team picking number 30 overall. They, of course, own this pick from the Houston Rockets via a trade that was exercised last summer when they took on Jamal Crawford's contract. But if you're wondering how the Hawks got here, that's the only reason why they are picking in, the, in a slot normally reserved for high-end basketball teams, but for a rebuilding program like the Hawks currently are, it's certainly nice to have multiple assets, and if this were uh, if this mock were to continue, the Hawks also have a number 34 pick, which was uh, definitely in discussions in terms of trades earlier on in the mock uh, process, you know, looking to move up potentially from number 19 in, into the late lottery range, uh, using the, using that 30 and 34 pick, as well as looking to just sort of maneuver and maybe look, look to the future even more if the Hawks were able to capitalize, but in the end, we ended up sticking put, uh, grabbing Jaron Jackson Jr. of Michigan State, number three overall, and, and number 19 overall, DeAnthony Melton of USC. Both defense-first prospects, I would say, at this point in time. But uh, in the same breath, it's one of those things where both guys have legitimate offensive upside. Jackson, a uh, sort of a modern-day big man that can stretch the floor offensively, also handle the ball a little bit, whereas Melton also has some on-ball ability in the backcourt with the potential, if he, can make, if he can make jump shots, to be a plus offensive player. At number 30, no, no real needs to address if you're the Hawks because of the fact that Lloyd Pierce and the new coaching staff are definitely focused on the defensive end of the floor. A defense first prospect might, might, definitely might make some sense here, but because the, the top two picks uh, sort of lend themselves to that area, uh, probably uh, at least in consideration to take a more offense-facing prospect at number 30 overall. In terms of uh, actual needs, though, not something that you actually have to take a specific position at this point, which provides a lot of flexibility. Um, you know, Coming into this pick, I would say there are three, four, five prospects available uh, that are certainly worth of being, uh, worth including here, and for me, it came down to a final three of Melvin Frazier of Tulane. Jalen Brunson of Villanova and Shake Milton of SMU. Very different prospects. Uh, Jalen Brunson, more of a pure point guard type, probably a backup in the NBA, but certainly someone who could who could hold on hold on a starting job in the lower end. Uh, offensive uh, first, you know, sort of facilitating point guard. That's certainly worth a first round look in this class. Shake Milton, a combo guard of sorts uh, at SMU, but shot shot the ball really really well at the college level. 42 percent from three, as well as the fact that he's uh, has a wingspan north of seven feet tall while also playing point guard at the uh, college level. A pretty uh, interesting and a valuable and versatile 3 and D kind of prospect uh, there. And then Melvin Frazier, more of the modern wing type 3 and D player with a 7-2 wingspan that came out of nowhere a little bit at Tulane this year, this year, but definitely someone who has the skills and the uh, measurables to be a prototypical 3 and D player moving forward. Uh, in the end, we will go with Melvin Frazier of Tulane at number 30 overall. Keeping with the defensive mindset, Frazier is a monster defensive prospect, someone who could certainly uh, guard sort of one through four at this point in the NBA. Because he has that 7-2 wingspan, but more of a small forwards body, very, very athletic, very strong player, could certainly look to be a dominant defensive force in the NBA. Offensively, not a ton of, of sort of on-ball creation ability, but a, a jump shot that played up during his junior season made 38% of his threes last year at Tulane. It's not exactly a lock that he'll be able to knock down threes. That's probably why he fell to this point in time, uh, because before his junior season, he definitely struggled making shots from the perimeter. But if you believe in the jump shot, as we do, as at least a, a solid weapon for for him, the defensive uh, sort of uh, package there, uh, combined with that offensive ability to stretch the defense and just sort of be a, be a physical, uh, gifted athlete, it's worth it's definitely worth a flyer at this point in time. Even if the ceiling uh, may not be quite as high as some prospects uh, in the first round, I, I do I do I do think that Frazier, along with Brunson and Milton, who we talked about uh, briefly a second ago, all are first are first round worthy prospects. And to get a guy like Frazier at number thirty, who we actually actively considered at number nineteen overall, is a very very good outcome for the Hawks. So ending the draft with Jerry. Jackson Jr., uh, DeAnthony Melton, and finally at number 30, Melvin Frazier out of Tulane. And the Hawks are done, and that wraps up the Locked On Podcast Network NBA Mock Draft. Frazier's ready athletically right now. I mean, he has got multiple action athleticism that will help him defensively immediately. And if Atlanta gets in with their defensive systems, though that may be very different without Mike Budenholzer and Darvin Ham there, so we don't know exactly what those systems are. Let's find out what Jeremy Wu says about that 30th pick of the NBA draft. Melvin Frazier is an intriguing pick in the late first round. Uh, you know, super long, super athletic, uh, very good defensively in terms of recovery. Uh, I don't know how great he is on the ball in terms of consistency and taking away angles, but in terms of being able to, you know, pick up a variety of assignments, 
uh, you know, generate steals, make plays. I think he can do that. Um, my big question with Frazier is offensively, what's he going to give you? You know, he has to be able to continue to hit open threes. Um, you know, he has to, you know, rein in some of his shots, uh, make better decisions. Uh, I don't know how much of a feel he has for scoring. Uh, so you're taking him looking, you know, for a defensive minded role player. And I think he can be that, but I also think as a guy who's, you know, going to turn 22 in August. Um, the reason to be skeptical in terms of what he might develop into in terms of upside. We'll go back to Jeremy one last final time. He's been incredible. Huge thank you to Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated for joining us on this mock draft to find out what player we left out of our first round that he thinks the best player out there is. But first, let's go over to Jake Madison of Locked on Pelicans and also Wednesday's Locked on NBA and Josh Lloyd, Locked on Fantasy Basketball, who also hosts the Monday edition of Locked on NBA with the local experts on the biggest stories and see what they think of the final three picks of our mock draft. Thanks, David. At the end of the first round here, the last three selections in this uh, in this locked-on NBA mock draft, the Golden State Warriors at pick 28, they went with Grayson Allen out of Duke. We all know he's a villain status, but uh, I think he's almost destined to be a first-round pick. And um, yeah, why not? The Warriors have got about 84 centers on their 15-man roster, so getting some uh, some young depth at uh, the guard position, Alan, uh, Alan makes total sense there. Yeah, this this is one of those picks where I also just say it just makes a ton of sense. Look, this is a guy who can shoot some. He can facilitate some. He can kind of defend multiple positions at times. He's kind of as dirty as Draymond Green is. This just makes a ton of sense for the Warriors. And if you're going to go to a, if you're going to come in with a reputation of everyone hating you, you might as well go to the team that everyone's hating anyway, and then you can at least fade into the background and maybe not, maybe they'll go well. At least he isn't as bad as Draymond Green. So that's a that, that's a positive there for Grace and Allen. The Brooklyn Nets at pick twenty nine. Elliot. Kobo, the point guard from France. Really, really like this pick. The Nets have done well to actually acquire picks in the past couple of years, and they've made strong selections with those uh, with those picks. He's a guy, uh, 6'3", point guard with a decent wingspan, 20 years of age, can shoot the ball, can handle it. Um, I love the upside here of this pick. Even though they've got Spencer Dinwiddie, even though they've got D'Angelo Russell, you might as well just grab these guys, keep him in Europe for a year or two. Love this Okobo pick. And I think that he has a real chance to go significantly higher than this. Yeah, he's a very good shooter, and he's either going to stay in Europe or need a lot of time to kind of develop in the NBA. So, yeah, you might have people ahead of him right now, but that doesn't matter because he's not ready to step in, and you're not going to be taking minutes away from him. So, like you said, good length, a very strong wingspan. He's got a pretty good touch on his shot and everything, too, outside of just the shooting. So you kind of like this at 29. Yeah, at 29, it's it's hard to go, hard to look past it. And, again, getting guards, getting wings, it's so, so important, and, yeah, just – if one of them hit, if one of them develops, then you're really on the way to getting some uh, decent success in the NBA. Pick 30, the last selection in the first round, the third pick in the first round for the Atlanta Hawks. They were busy, and they went with Melvin Frazier out of Tulane, who a guy, Jake, who I think has um, decent uh, claims on being the most athletic player in this draft. So I'm biased, and this is my favorite pick of the draft, being a Tulane alum and someone that actually works for the school. So I'm thrilled to see that Tulane gets their first first-round pick in the NBA draft ever. But this is a big upside guy, and a guy – Again, being biased, I think could go higher than this. He's what, 6'6. He defends on the wing and he's known for his defense, but he's got a 7'2 wingspan. He's got an insane vertical and he shows off just enough three point shooting to make you think he can be a very good three and D wing. So at 30, to draft a guy like that who could potentially become a very good starter for you, I think is a no brainer for Atlanta. You guys win. This is my favorite pick in the draft. Yep. A guy that can get steals, a guy that can shoot threes, a guy that's athletic. They're the three things that you go, well, if you can't do anything else, if you can do those three things, I'm happy with it and that is a great great spot there and overall Jake this uh, locked on NBA uh, mock draft really hard to fault many of the picks as we mentioned earlier really strong selections from these GMs some of that goes to the uh, the knowledge that they have but also the strength of this draft class overall yeah, I think it shows you this one's kind of deep, particularly once you get past the lottery that, again, we can nitpick them. Maybe you'd like them to go for, you know, position of need versus best available player. But at the same point, some of these guys are so good that you can't really complain about it. So overall, yeah, there's a couple questions here that I would throw out, but I don't have a ton. 
who is one guy that you think we were surprised that didn't go in the first round? My my one there is probably um, Josh Okoji, uh, who I could have you know, thrown in at the end of the first round as a flyer type of guy. But uh, players like Jalen Brunson uh, haven't been selected. Shake Milton uh, hasn't been drafted yet in this uh, in this group of guys. Landry Shamet, Gary Trent Jr. Um, who's a guy that you're a little bit surprised didn't go in this uh, first round? Yeah, you actually said him the first guy was Josh Okogie, and I think that's the guy that you really is kind of climbing up draft boards, getting a high up there. I actually just profiled him over at LockedOnPelicans.com as a hope that maybe he falls, but uh, it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. And that's a guy, again, he's a defensive guard, he can shoot the ball, does kind of exactly what you want in the modern NBA. Yeah, I think yeah he, he's a real chance to go early 20s in this draft, but he did slide here. But that's, again, just the grouping of these guys being so close. Jake, thanks for uh, thanks for analyzing all these picks with me across this mock draft. Yeah, no, Josh, this was fun, um, and I enjoyed it. And good job for everyone here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Well, we weren't all perfect. That will be told over time. Let's find out who Jeremy Wu thinks we left as the best player left undrafted in this draft. And it's Boston College's Jerome Robinson. Jerome is one of the guys who really rose once he got in front of teams. Uh, he had a lot of fans uh, picking in the mid to late first round. And he uh, really uh, was good this year for Boston College. I mean, he was the top scoring guard in the ACC definitely did not get enough attention uh, from the media end. I think just because Boston College, you know, was turned up and down this year, didn't have the best season in terms of wins and losses. Uh, but the talent is unquestionably there with him. Uh, you know, he can play on or off the ball, uh, can really shoot the three, can score all three levels. And he's a very good, uh, very good creator off the dribble in spite of not being, you know, a high end athlete. He's, I think he's athletic enough, but he's not going to dunk on you. I don't think so. Uh, you know, teams like guys with sort of those defined, mature offensive skill sets. Um, and, you know, he's a good kid. I think the, the intangible side is going to work in his favor as well. Uh, so he's a guy who I think will, you know, surprise people with where he ends up getting drafted. So we have all wrapped it up. A five-day extravaganza, a Reddit AMA at 2 o'clock Eastern today. And thank you all for tuning in to the Locked On Podcast Network Mock Draft. Thank you very much to all of the hosts of the Lockdown Podcast Network and most of all to Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated for being our draft expert. Make sure you tune, subscribe to Lockdown NBA. Catch the regular daily bite-sized national program for you right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Subscribe to your favorite NBA team and get their daily podcast and go to LockdownSports.com for all the latest from the Lockdown Podcast Network. Enjoy Draft Thursday when it comes. In the meantime, remember, this is the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.